This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Karankwa, and Hohokam people. And I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blasian Blurred, and I'm just jumping on real quick because this is an episode of Mixed Auntie Confidential with Auntie Teresa Stovall and myself, but I wanted to jump on and just apologize for being a day late. I, I only had it partially edited before I went to New York last week, and then, of course, New York was crazy busy. And then on my day coming back, I was going to finish up the episode, but my plane got rerouted <laughs> and I was stuck on the plane for an extra oh, near three hours. So by the time I got home, I was dead to the world. There was, there was no finishing up editing and getting the show up. And uh, then Tuesday, I was so worn out that I pretty much rested almost the entire day. So now you got the episode today. Uh, but it's a really fun episode between Auntie Teresa and myself. We were talking about our favorite our least favorite, and our honorable mention of mixed representation in media. So stay tuned for that in just a few minutes. You're going to hear that. And then in addition to that, I wanted to announce that the 2022 Be Your Mixed Ass Self fundraiser t-shirt will be available on MilitantlyMixed.com on Saturday, October 15th at midnight Central Time. That will be available for 30 days as we fundraise for the show. And my fundraiser this year is very ambitious. And in, in, between the t-shirts and the GoFundMe that I'm going to drop as well, I am looking to raise $6,000 for Militantly Mixed to pay down some uh, debt I've incurred to keep the show active for the last year and a half and also to pay for the future expenses of the show in, in part of 2023 and as, as well as paying off the last few months of this year as well. <laughs> so it's a very ambitious fundraiser. We've never raised anything near this before, but it's getting to a point that um, I need I need support to be able to continue to produce a show because I've, I've maxed out my ability to retain debt to produce this every week. So it's a very ambitious fundraiser, but I am going to be looking to raise that amount over the course of the next uh, month, and so, month or so. So stay tuned for that. I will post a picture of myself in the Be Your Mix Ass Self t-shirt for 2022 on Instagram here shortly. But if you do watch my other show, Blurred Comics, with um, my friend from childhood, Blurred Vision, I was wearing it on the most recent show. So you can check that out on YouTube.com slash Blurred Comics Podcast. That's B-L-E-R-D-C-O-M-I-X-E-D Podcast. And you can check out um, the most recent video because that is where I was rocking the 2022 Be Your Mix t-shirt. It's a dope-ass t-shirt. I'm so excited. I love it. I can't wait. I hope I sell a thousand t-shirts because I would love to just encounter mixed folks wearing that t-shirt in the wild. It would be fun. But check it out on militantlymixed.com slash merch on Saturday, October 15th through November, October, no, November, October 14th. November 14th, it will be available. And without further ado, 
please join me in welcoming back our favorite mix auntie, Auntie Teresa Stovall, for the Mix Auntie Confidential number eight. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, and I am joined by my fellow mixed auntie from the Mixed Auntie Confidential, Teresa. <laughs> hey, 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 how are y'all doing? Hope you are ready for this special dose of auntie fun. love, sugar, spice, and who knows? This one's, yeah, this one's going to be fun. We decided, I know sometimes we've been getting into some more serious, heavier topics. This one has the potential to be heavy, but it also could be a lot of fun. We decided we were going to get together to share our views of what is the best, worst, and sort of like honorable mention for mixed race representation in media. And so we've picked separately without consulting each other, although I think we can guess a little bit some of it. Without consulting each other, we've made our selections, and we're going to share those with y'all today. Yes, TV and movies. TV and movies, yes. Now, mine are all pretty contemporary, or yours, current? Mine are, yes, mine are current. Okay. So they can, mine can all be seen currently on, the, on your streaming device. I thought about dipping into the crates, but I, I decided to kind of keep it with more recently what I felt yes the thing. So, yes, yeah. yes 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 because yes. oddly enough we can dig into the crates it's just eh. it's weird you get you dig in the tra- crates and you are you are exhuming the tragic <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean yeah. there is I I don't in the crates I'm not aware of anything but tragic it's all it's pretty much only the tragic mulatto yeah thing yeah. Or whatever the version of like the white Asian version of that exists as, ah, as well. So yeah, you've got um, a wider. You have that's right. You have a wider range of of reference than I do, which yeah. I think is really great for this exercise. Also, I was a film major, so I spent a big portion of my film degree watching stuff that was like from the twenties, thirties, and forties. So there is some stuff back then too. I just don't have it popped in my I just didn't make the time to like dig that far back so I just have some memories of a few things that I watched when I was in school wait why is being a film major yet another thing we have in common <laughs> did we know that about each other I don't know I, I mean I, I've I think I've talked about it before but yeah I went to film school I didn't go to film school but I majored in film and tv hmm. I have my my bachelor's in uh, film and digital media from UC Santa Cruz okay you know what this means Listen up, fam. <laughs> Clearly, we are about to begin once we get our other stuff going. <laughs> we'll have a little movie club. <laughs> no, we need to make we need to make a movie. I'm always down for that. My last movie I failed to finish because I had an actor meltdown. But um, okay, well, let's add that to our ongoing, never-ending list of things we can do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love, but I love the fact that we were both film majors as well. 
Like that may give it a little extra even oomph. Yeah. Uh, well, because also like Did I always make jokes that I'm professionally trained on how to watch a movie correctly. Good so <laughs> that, too, that too. Yeah. I have friends who don't like to go to movies with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The critique, yeah. Is, the critique is way. There. And I, I tr- what I try to tell them is to me, it's akin to being around people who love sports. Mm-hmm. And then they spend the next. And my son is in this category as is my husband, his dad, which is how I became introduced to it. They will literally five years later mention a game, a play, a player, a statistic, and and, and have a five-hour impassioned yeah. breakdown, critique, dissertation, debate, yeah. I, which I found fascinating. Well, that's what I do with mm-hmm. film and TV and movie. Yeah, film, TV, and, and stage plays. For Not me. to be negative, but just again like you said it's just part of it yeah like so a lot of um a lot of what i do i guess i've it's over time sort of the the critical analysis stuff has faded a little bit with time and so a lot of things that i end up doing now is telling you what things were happening on backstage like behind the camera and stuff like that and so a lot of because that i had one teacher that was really into telling stories like that so we had always had these asides of like oh and then there was drama on the set because this and this and this happened or whatever so i ended up retaining most of that so it's my version of like the people who watch bravo shows now for trash tv (laughs) i like the background stories of movie set drama from the past I love that. Do you think, I, I won't speak for you, but I will speak for myself. Do you think both of us might've been attracted to that as a major because we wanted to create? Yes, I can absolutely say that for sure. For representation me. for mixed folks? Yes, yeah. Because two things were happening for me is one, my Japanese grandmother was obsessed with American movies. That's how she mm-hmm. ended up finding an American to marry. Cause she, she, it was a mission. She was going to marry this white dude, come to America, meet Clark Gable, divorce her husband, marry Clark Gable. <laughs> I love it. And live happily ever after. You gotta have um, goals. You gotta, have <laughs> you gotta goals. have goals, right? You gotta have goals. So, yeah. She was really upset. She was like madly in love with the idea of an American man because of movies. And so my childhood is spent watching the Volder movies with my grandmother. And so I have a real love for for cinema that way predates me. But it was a bond between me and my grandmother. I love it. And then when it came time to for my major, I couldn't get film out of my head. And I wanted to be I this is how I described myself when I was trying to convince my family that this is what I was going to do. I said, I want to be the mixed Francis Ford Coppola. Right. Hey. Listen. Yeah. I wanted to tell like very distinct cultural stories. Yes. But through my mixed lens and, and um, at the time, you know, I went, my Francis Ford Coppola phase lasted from like 13 years old until all the way through film school. I, I went to film school late because I had to work all the way through my college. So I graduated when I was 25 I was 25 um, when I graduated too. Okay, see, Charmaine, this is <laughs> I took seven years to get my BA because I had to work three jobs. Like, I took seven years also. Yeah, that's so funny. So yeah, I was going to be the mixed race Francis for Coppola and then I immediately had to get a regular job. And so that's why I didn't end up doing it. But yeah, my goal in, in going to film school was to become a a very distinctly... It was like I wanted to do Francis for Coppola, Spike Lee mixed Charmaine movies slice of of cultural life yes yes absolutely I love that and you could do so much worse 
in choosing role models and inspirations. I mean, you could do so much worse, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to make a movie, y'all. Not right away, but I'm just putting (laughs) in the mixed militantly mixed fan verse. We didn't even know this about each other, y'all. That's funny. Yeah, I didn't know. (laughs) All these commonalities. That is hilarious. Yeah, the film thing is a big deal for me. But in terms of representation, there just wasn't, I can't look back and say, oh, I really follow this director because they were mixed race and they were telling, you know, stories that represented me. What I can only do is find directors that were doing what I would do for my people, for their people. And that is how I get to Francis Ford Coppola. That's how I get to Spike Lee. And also what I liked about Spike Lee movies is because Spike Lee is a a funny character, right? Because he's a guy that as a person, I don't really like. But like what I liked about what he was doing was that they were these slice of cultural life stories that were very specific to that neighborhood or the you know that yes, group of collective people or whatever. That's his and, yeah. That's yeah. his that's his strongest suit. He's he's matured and grown mm-hmm. as a filmmaker a lot. Mm-hmm. But um no, I'm with you. I'm with you for his early yeah. Movie, yeah. So I wanted to do I wanted to be something like that. And then you know life just jumped up a bit me and I never wait, wait, wait. I it never ain't too late for either one of us. Baby. It's not too late. No, I know. It's just that I ended up going down a different path and and um but and, that's okay. And stuff, but but what we're talking about today is the idea of uh, what we personally think is the best mixed representation in TV or movies. What we think is the worst, and what you know, and then just an honorable mention because we want to. We just want to like you know. Sometimes there's one you really like, but you wouldn't call the best. Yes, and I def- I definitely have that. Uh, what do you? Where do you want to start? You want to go worst to best, honorable mention. Best to worst? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, start low, work high. Yeah, let's start with worst because that's going to be the most fun anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm going to have a guess that I think your worst and my worst might be the same because we're both chose something contemporary. Okay. Do you want to try to say it one time and see if it is the same? <laughs> Say it at the same time? <laughs> yeah, just to see if it's the same. Okay, you're going to do three, two, one? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one. Mixed Rainbow. Dish. Yeah, okay, so yes. <laughs> so you said mixed dish? Mixed dish, yeah. So rainbow, okay, so it's rainbow. Rainbow. It's so rainbow. We're, rainbow's I, problematic. We, we're, in, we're in line on the same thing. We are in line on the worst, but I think we should talk about why. We should talk about why. So, and not in a not in a bashing way, but just in the legitimate kind of like there wasn't enough of us in a room type of way. I think is is what we can talk about. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Rainbow is, Rainbow is the lead female character of the TV show Blackish, which was produced by Kenya Barris, and it is she is the wife of Andre Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, right. I was trying to figure, I don't know how I couldn't get to the name. It was just weird because the last name is my last name. Um, okay, so Andre and Rainbow Johnson are a uh, upper middle class black. Kind of Huxtable-ish. Huxtable-ish family. Andre is in marketing, advertising, advertising, and Rainbow is an anesthesiologist. And they have multiple children. And she, Rainbow, is half black, half white. She has the, her mother is played by Anna Smith. Anna Devere Smith. Anna Devere Smith. And her father was played by the Bridges brother that died in real life. Or oh, no, he didn't die in real life, did he? Bo Bridges? 
I don't think he's dead. He died on the show, but I don't remember if he died right, in real life. And that's why they right, died. right, right, right. She was also raised as a hippie. Her character is based on um, having been raised multiracial commune a multiracial commune kind of hippie type you know life or whatever and then she she meets and marries uh or she yeah she meets and marries andre which has kind of sucked her into a predominant black life so throughout her show throughout that show we're experiencing a black family and what i liked about it always was that there was the dynamic of sometimes blackness includes mixed people but they're still black and so for the most part blackish I'm fine with, mm-hmm. but there are Rainbow Johnson moments. Yes, where her mixedness doesn't compute. compute. Not- <laughs> <laughs> and I know we're not a monolith. I know we're not a monolith. Yeah, she's- but she- right. Played by Tracy Ellis Ross. Played by Tracy Ellis Ross, who I absolutely fucking adore. I love her too, and she and and everything. By the way, in for in general, Blackish is a great series. It's it's you know it's final it's finalized now. It's done now. Yeah. Black. I always love Blackish. Blackish Black is, is the writing is great. All the characters. There's are great. educational moments that Overall, are kind of subtle. Yeah, perfect. But and then so for me, Rainbow's problematicness, mm-hmm. And this is important when you talk about backstory and behind the scenes mm-hmm. is that creator Kenya Barris, because we're going to swerve over to Mixedish in a minute, mm-hmm. who is African-American, his wife, who might be his ex-wife. She's his ex-wife. Okay. Is, is, and apparently that's her name. Anyway, she's biracial. She's rainbow? I, I don't know for sure. What her real name is? I don't know what her real name is, but who's biracial in real life. He's talked about it a lot. And just like on Black AF, he had Rashida playing his wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I agree not enough mixed people in the room when it came to Rainbow, but I also think that Rainbow was very much created by Kenya Barris as an avatar of his For real her. life yeah. wife. Of so his wife. And she might, her racial, what I like to call racial identity politics for mixed folks, might have been as Rainbow was portrayed on screen, but also things are always bumped up for dramatic effect and comedic effect as well. But what, so what, what bothered me about Rainbow is that, and part of this is my responsibility and has nothing to do with Kenya Barris, who I've never met or talked to. At all, who created the character, I think, pretty much single handedly, mm-hmm. is that I'm, of course, like all of us, always looking for representation mm-hmm. or something I can at least relate to. There's representation and there's relatability. Mm-hmm. And I think with mixed representation, mixed characters on especially contemporary TV shows and movies, sometimes you gotta, there's a fine line there. Yeah. So I wasn't looking for somebody to represent Teresa's life or anything. Sure. But here's what annoyed me. It worked comedically, it mm-hmm. worked dramatically, and I hated it. So, <laughs> so they have five kids, mm-hmm. and they also had the amazing and brilliant and um, fabulous performers, Jennifer Lewis and Lawrence Fishburne, playing Andre's parents who live mm-hmm. with them. So they're in a three-generational house, in the yeah. fabulous house in LA. And so... One of the things that made me crazy, I hated it even as I realized it worked comedically and dramatically, and it was consistent with the characters, 
was that Jennifer Lewis as the black mother-in-law and you know Jennifer Lewis always plays Jennifer Lewis yeah which is for me never a problem I love it's that. never a problem Jennifer yeah. Lewis and Keanu are the only two people I don't care if they ever just play themselves thank you thank you those are two <laughs> absolutely so so but there would be times and this possibly came from Kenya Barris's real experience or maybe there was a mixed writer in the room or whatever in the writer's room where she would ridicule rainbow mm -hmm. for being mixed and not being black enough in mm -hmm. some very cruel ways yes okay so like i said it worked the it writing worked, was great yeah. it worked comedically it worked dramatically i teresa hated it and well, i was mad at rainbow because i felt like rainbow was being a wuss in terms of combating it when it would come she up she didn't speak up she didn't stand up for herself she didn't say like you or i would yeah, there was like some backhanded things here and there, and it took many seasons for there to be like real stand-up moments for her. Right. There is, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but there is one time where she stands up where Jennifer Lewis's character does kind of give it to her, but it's very few and far between that you would have moments like that. I think it was when Rainbow had postpartum depression and she was just over everybody. I think. Mm. Don't quote me on that, but yeah. you know, yeah, she finally did snap but clap back and I was thrilled. Yeah. But as a mixed person watching every episode and again, loving every episode, but that one thing I didn't like. The Part of it to me, and I agree, I agree with everything you're saying. Part of it to me is, is that it's annoying that that rings true in some places, of oh, course, yeah, not very, all the time, but it's, it's very some, realistic. there's some moments where it's just like, fuck yeah. But there's also this thing of where you kind of like don't want other people because you figure other people are watching it, not just black people. And you kind of don't want them to know it happens. There's like that part a little okay, bit, okay, you know, okay. I think at play yeah. for me. But what really frustrates me about Rainbow in a lot of moments is that she would make decisions that didn't ring true. And I think that is because I do think Kenya Barris created a caricature of his wife caricature that's that is word. being portrayed by by uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. So I just looked it up. His ex-wife is Dr. Uh, Rainia Rainbow Barris, and they were together for more than 20 years. I don't know if their divorce is finalized. I think it's one of those really long divorces. The problem is that there are and this is where I get annoying for people. The back end of it is that there's a possible having had a, a affair with with Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah. There's a possible having had an affair with Rashida Jones. You know, like there's stories that surf that keep surfacing yes, about yes, it. Yes. And what bothers me about if any of those things are true is he has a type that borders on fetishization. Well, you're much nicer than me. He's got a straight up fetish. It's a fetish. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, even say he has a type. I don't know the man, but if these stories are true, if they're true, then he specifically if they're true it's problematic. biracial women. Yeah. It's and they create this caricature. Their, right. Not in terms them. of their decisions to have sex, yeah. but he's clearly fetishizing. And I like, thank you for the, thank you for bringing in caricature. That was what I was looking for. She feels like a caricature when she doesn't need to be. And where their yeah. show is so, where the show, you know, sometimes it's more frustrating when the, the series or the movie are otherwise so good. Yes, yes. That, that it's like they fell down on that one thing. And that's what I feel like Blackish did with Rainbow, even though she might've been 
you know, based on a caricature yeah. of his real life wife and, and can't argue. And if that's what she was like, that's what she was like. And also because we know that jabbing, I mean, I have black mother-in-law too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, there were some, you know, moments, but I'm just mouthier. Mm -hmm. And so not rude, not disrespectful, just like, Oh, wait, wait a minute, you know, and there's yeah, also a vibe. There's also a vibe. I think we mix people can give off in black spaces mm -hmm. that says before people even try. Oh, no, I ain't the one. Yeah. And the thing is, because what bothers me about that dynamic generally or, or just the trope of the negative mother in law, you know, type yeah. of thing is that this this woman is the child the the mother of your grandchildren and, and you're living and you're living in her and you're house. living in their house yeah in and her so because it's that, the woman's house and it gives off very much reverse edible like you know is your son your boyfriend or your son type yes. of thing and and yes. that is very present in blackish but it rainbow is. specifically there was my my big beef with the rainbow character on blackish before we even get to mixed dish and why i refer to that as being my problem version of it is that in times of mixed person crisis identity crisis she ran to her white father for guidance and that confused the shit out of me and i'm not saying that that doesn't happen like that there aren't other people who would experience that or maybe your white father is the your go-to best friend guy Sure. Okay, fine. But it was every crisis Rainbow had that involved her parents' presence, that her mother was not the person, even when it was a very Black woman, you know, moment. And that bothered me. So in one case in particular on the show Blackish, before we even get to Mixedish, is that her son, Andre Jr., is the lightest skin of all her, of all her children. He mm -hmm. ends up dating a white girl temp for a little while. For the most part, they always have Junior dating a black girl. But in mm -hmm. this particular case, for a little bit of time, he was dating a white girl. And Rainbow, it sends Rainbow into a tailspin because she's thinking that if he ends up with a white girl, that kind of undoes her like overcorrection of getting her kids to be black because she wasn't quote unquote black enough growing up so she marries a black man has black kids lives in a black like lives in a black house with a black family and stuff like that she wants her children to feel comfortable and confident in their blackness because none of them are going to look appear or maneuver as white people and if her child ends up having kids with white people what's going to happen to those grandchildren and how do they relate all of this stuff is stuff that makes a hundred percent sense for a mixed person to question and, and, and things like that about how they feel about who they chose as partners to have kids with and who their kids choose as partners. I think all of this still rings for the most part, fairly true. And it's probably based off of conversations that Kenya and Barrett, uh, Kenya and his real life rainbow probably had about their children, but he has rainbow run to her father and it's it's not so much that she was venting to her father specifically. It's that her father gives the winning advice so that she can then turn around and be okay with her son dating a white a white girl. And I forget exactly what he says, but he basically says to her something to the effect of nobody can tell you who to love. And um and no, nobody him dating a white girl doesn't make you not black essentially because she went into a personal crisis of am i black enough for for the rainbow character and it was her white father who is the one who tells her 
you're black enough, no one could take that away from you. And I'm not saying that that couldn't possibly happen in the world. I'm saying that if, is that the representation we want to see exactly for mixed people that will ring true and make you walk away and say, hey, Blackish really handled this moment in a thoughtful way that shows that you can both have conflict with being a multiracial person and your children dating inside your racial identity, but not the way that you would have dated. You know, like these are real things that we would deal with. And I really, I really didn't like the white savior dad moment there versus what could have been an amazing scene with her, with um, Tracy and Anna DeVere Smith. They, that could have been a really good moment, but also there's this weird tension between her and her mom yes. in the show. So you never really get like they get along why. or whatever. And you don't have a backstory don't know for why. it. You and you just have this like overwhelming love that she has of her white father. Right. And which again, perfectly fine. But in the moment, it doesn't, in the moments that matter, you you took away an opportunity, took away. You didn't provide an opportunity for really strong black woman bonding moments. Right. And instead preferred a white man to explain to Rainbow how she identifies, yes. uh, which which was the start of my major problems with what was coming down the, down the pipe, which was Mixed-ish. So Mixed-ish is a spinoff show also created by Kenna Barris that is... Um, about Rainbow's childhood with her parents, her white father and black mother and her siblings, which on the on Blackish are played by oh man, his name just escaped Devay me. Her, Diggs and Rashida Devay Jones. Diggs plays her brother and Rashida Jones plays her sister Santa Monica. They, as as siblings on Blackish, they work their dynamic works because you have oh, the one so that good. went all the way white. So you have the one that went uh, as black as they could with not getting it. And so kind of making little awkward mixed black moments. And then you have rainbow, like they, they did really good with the siblings on blackish. Yes. When yes. you get over into the, the show mixed dish, actually the children do really well. The, ch- the, the children that play those characters. Yes. Really, really well. Although I would say the Santa Monica girl is probably a little, more stereotypical black than Rashida Jones's character. Well, and was. Rashida, the grown-up Santa Monica's not black. Yeah, they would. Tried. So the little. That's girl, right. Yeah, yeah. They they work. they flip the, her a they little bit. They flipped it, and it didn't work. But that child's performance well, of no, what the character she had, character, she did a really great job. I mean, she should have been the lead. She was. Yeah, she was excellent. She, her, as as a, as an actress, that little kid's got some chops. Yes. But um, they ended up casting Tika Sumter, who is one of the most beautiful women on this fucking planet. Absolutely. Um, to play the Anna DeVere Smith character, which... Reverse Aunt Viv, y'all. Reverse Aunt Viv, which <laughs> part of me wants to say I'm here for, but also it just didn't track because I think Rainbow, Rainbow as a mixed woman character, a mixed black, white, biracial character, having a light-skinned mother, I think plays into how rainbow becomes rainbow Mm. better than had she had a darker skinned mother and Mm. so that casting is just um was a little odd and also however much i like tika i don't feel like she nailed the black woman who lived in a white commune oh god you could not you could more picture her you could totally picture andavir smith and bo bridges absolutely communes and all the hippie communes 
Yes. Like, it was that was genius casting. Although phenotypically, it didn't work as well for me because Andrea Smith looked lighter skin and more ambiguous looking than Tracy Ellis Ross. True. That's and so true. I was like, that would not be what your daughter with a white man would. Probably unless unless we eventually saw her her grandparents that were darker skinned right, right, you know right. like a, a grand, darker skin grandfather I mean, or something I, like that again as an actor i will you know give sure. a standing ovation to anna devere smith if she did a constipation commercial okay right. like she's just one of the greats it's just like i guess that was my beef in that scene where they chose to use Bo bridges to explain her identity to her versus um right. anna DeVere smith because yeah the gravitas as a person yes that anna devere smith has yes could have made for this insanely dynamic moment that was yes. both a bonding moment between two women that for whatever reason haven't always seen eye to eye yes and closed a healing gap because there is always something between you and your mother you know yes. even when you get along there is always something and that could have been a moment that they could have Absolutely. used to improve that so when we get to mixed ish first of all they had a casting switch there originally the the and this guy's name i don't know the white guy that was um he was one of He's from a comedy troupe of three guys that had a TV show before. He gets cast as a father originally, and the pilot was shot with him, and the um, the trailer that went out was shot with him. But after the trailer came out, people were like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. So they recasted that character with uh, Mark Paul Goslinger, who was formerly Zach Morris from Say by the Bell, to play the father. And he actually does a really good job. He is also mixed race, although he is white and Cambodian. But most people don't know that about him. His mother's Cambodian. So then that makes never mind. Okay, that makes it even crazier, messier yeah. because she supposed to have she not white and Cambodian and black. Yeah. Well, see, nobody sees Zach Morris. I'm just gonna call him Zach Morris because that's what everybody associates him, you know, Mark Paul with is that no one sees him as anything but a white guy. Right, but just okay. We'll talk about that. Later. But in yeah. the back end of it, at the end of the day there was at least a mixed person casted on that show. And it was Mark Paul Gossinger. He was cast, but he was not, he didn't get to, but he was the wrong kind. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't follow the story. Yeah. So he actually did a fine job in the character of the dad, but the chemistry between him and Tika just was not there. And the world that they were, the, the, the groundwork that they had laid in Blackfish as to who these parents were, don't match up very well with who the parents were on the show. Oh, and then Tika's character has a sister who is playing the the black voice of reason on the She's show. The black everything. She's the black everything. She, she is really all is all blackness. She is the only blackness, and she has to come and hang. And she's a, what a police officer. Uh, no, she works for TSA. Oh, I'm sorry. She's TSA. Forgive yeah. me. I know. I just the uniform. But she had the uniform right. And but, I was there, yeah, with her on the sofa with her feet up or something. I yeah. I didn't see very many episodes, but she she represents all blackness. But more to the point, she is the reference point for blackness for the kids. Yeah, for them to see how not black and they, they have were. a whole black mother. Yeah, yeah. I had a problem on mixed dish with with Tika. Like I agree with you, one of the by far the most gorgeous and talented. Yeah, she's super talented actresses of our time. Um, so the reverse and thing didn't work, like you said, because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't create a character that Tika could inhabit, right? Credibly, right? And it didn't work. And then my problem, I watched the first couple episodes and it made my brain explode. Was that the Tika character 
They never did this with the Andrea Smith character, but her kids were all grown. The Tika character did not know how to do Santa Monica's black textured hair. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, oh, wait, hold it. Stop the. I mean, that wouldn't have worked with Andrea Smith either. Because she didn't right. grow up on the commune. She chose that life as an adult. That means she and her black family, but her she, and her black sister grew up. She a whole black woman. She's a whole black woman. She's so that means her woman. hair also needs to struggle. And so, and it, and she always, the way they wrote that character, no shade to Tika at all, because she did the best job she could, all while looking fabulous. Th- that character was, it was like she was dro- a black woman, a dark-skinned black woman, was yeah. dropped on the planet and never had encountered anything black in her life. She yeah, was she didn't get her day, day one black training. Like clueless. It was like, yeah. and so you needed that stereotypically sassy, sassy her, her woman, own yeah. sibling. So you're like, well, baby, where'd you grow up? Like, did you grow up in Norway and then just came to the States? Yeah. What and, are we doing here? And some of the bad moments between her and her sister is that the sister was always used as a point of shame for Tika's character and um and this escape from blackness that was happening which could have been used as the reason why rainbow and her mother don't connect mm. but they actually gave and i did end up watching through the whole first season even though it was a fucking struggle i really struggled to get through it sometimes it would take me a week and then i would have to watch it was very difficult i could not watch season two by that point but in season one it was very difficult took me a long long time to finish it in fact season two was happening and i still hadn't gotten all the way through season one i think i think i still had like one or two episodes left to watch and i i did eventually watch it but what they actually do is they bond the mother-daughter character a little bit closer towards the end of that first season in a way that doesn't vibe if you're eventually going to get to a story where these two people don't understand each other and don't get along. Right. Um, they, you know, they did some things on the show. They had a sweat out hair episode. You know, they had the, oh, we got to teach. They have, they have these black girl characters at the school that kind of help Rainbow discover her blackness. And, you know, Rainbow makes a mistake. The The black girls end up don't liking her for a little while. Then at the end, they all come together and they're friends again. And it, it's this back and forth that happens every so often. But she's got a whole black mother. And she has a whole black mother. And it, it just doesn't So it's not work. credible. And it feels like, and I, I would make the joke about how it felt like there wasn't any of us in the room because it just felt like at some point a mixed person would go, well, you know, <laughs> Um, in this moment, you know, and it just, it just seemed like there was no oversight and it, it felt as close to a white person writing black and white mixed characters as it did it happening to be created by a predominantly black, um, writing staff. Like it was so foreign. It was as if no black people there had ever met mixed black people who grew up black. Like, it just didn't, and and for and especially for someone like me who grew up in the environment I grew up in, like I was one of a, a couple of us, you know, like there wasn't, it wasn't like there were no mixed kids, right? And but I have a moment of like a friend trying to braid my hair and realizing she couldn't do my hair because my hair texture was different. Like those moments ring true, but yes. it's the it's it's how they handled wrapping those things up that didn't follow sometimes or they made they made issues out of things that weren't necessarily ever going to be issues um but like some that makes sense is yeah absolutely having a couple weird hair incidences 
makes sense. We deal with shit like that, you know, but the, the way they treated it, it was as if these kids came from another planet. Yes. And, um, dropped into a world where they've never, like it was, it was Ariel got her sea, her land legs and she's just (laughs) trying to figure out how to maneuver human life. And it wasn't that drastic, you know, it didn't have to be. That it wasn't foreign. just in LA. They were growing up in LA. Yeah, they LA. were growing up in LA. And they were all kind of mixed people. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, that's where I'm people. from. Like, it's just it's so much of it doesn't ring true. So yes, I feel okay. like in terms of it being worst and uh, the reason why I list is worse is because it's one of those things where, like, you had so much hope. Yes, you know, like so you much just, potential. It just felt like, oh, we finally are are it's not gonna be the the Cheerios commercial and everybody melting down. People are gonna <laughs> see these humanized, you know, mixed people. And it just didn't it I feel like the people who melted down, it's a mixed bag. I see I'm gonna say it. It's it's not gonna be popular what I'm about to say, but this is from my observance of comments that I saw in threads about mixed dish both on the Militantly Mixed group and in other mixed groups that I've been in. The people who really vibed with the show were Black, white, biracial people who were raised in whiteness. Yep. The people who didn't vibe with the show were any kind of Black mixed person who did who grew up predominantly Black. And that is as much of a review, uh, as, as much as an informative review I could give to you about the show Mixedness, is that the only people who related to it but were- you know what? That makes, you just said this won't be popular, but I think you just made an incredibly, incredibly essential point. And it makes, you saw me shake, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because you and I both grew up in Blackness and identify primarily as Black, you know, while still acknowledging all the things. And so, yeah, it just didn't vibe. And, you know, here's why I didn't like Rainbow and by extension Mixedness is my take what made it bad was that you had so much talent mm-hmm. yeah brilliant i don't like everything he does but there is no question he is brilliant you had all the talent and you know in hollywood all mm-hmm. the resources mm-hmm. all the money you could have had anybody in that writer's room you wanted to yeah anybody this show yeah. was a hit throughout all of its seasons yeah right you had every resource every opportunity to really, not that every one of us could completely relate to everything about her, but like you and I have just outlined, there were so many mixed, missed, mixed, missed, mm-hmm. missed, M-I-S-S-E-D, opportunities mm-hmm. to resonate and represent, even if it wasn't my experience or your experience yeah. or every viewer's experience, you could go, you know, that's legit yeah. and I feel it. Because that's what I experienced on Militantly Mixed, right? Like, I'm not always mixed the exact same way as the people who come on my show. And yet, at, inevitably, they're going to say something that I can relate to. Absolutely. Because we're we're experiencing something similar, which is we come from multiple cultures. We're yep. sandwiched into one. Yep. And hijinks ensues, right? Like, that yes. is very relatable. Yes. And that didn't seem to ever happen on Mixed Dish in a meaningful, meaningful way. That being said, yes. I don't want to take away... The moments that felt representative to black, white, biracial people raised in whiteness, because that was probably more who that audience was for or who that was. That's the audience of what that show was for, I think. Um, Good point. Which is only unfortunate because it was created by a predominantly black 
uh, organization, you know, I would say that like making it for us would have made a little bit more sense and, you know, maybe we would have come through in a big way for it. But, you know, I think Kenya is not um, removed from the idea that there's more money in whiteness, like that they believe that there's more money in whiteness than there is in other places and therefore advertise it to the white people. That's why I think it's very strategic that when they changed the father, they changed it to someone like Mark Paul Gossinger because he has this clout that will drag mm. people to his audience, even if you don't want to watch whatever it is he's doing. That makes people sense. just he's love a, him. He's an attraction. Yeah. He's an attraction. Yeah, he's an attraction. And um, and I, you know, like I said, I, I I don't really take anything away from him on this show. I think he did as, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody did as good as they could do with what they had. But oh, yeah. Um, I, I I just wanted I just wanted a mixed person to stand up there and be like, yo, um, you know. How, why does the black woman not know how to do her own hair, let alone her child's hair? You know, like you. something like that, like just anything like that would have been helpful. So, yeah. Yes. Um, I th yeah, I think, you know, we've given we've given this show as much time as I have ever wanted to give it. Like I have <laughs> talked about this on multiple podcasts and I've been invited to talk about mixes and stuff like that. I always disappoint people. Yes. with my opinion of the show because they're like you know we can't have anything nice and i'm like yeah we can't unless we do it ourselves and i we don't have think to do it ourselves that's and that's and that's true of any group that's mm -hmm. not in the mainstream and any group that's underrepresented you have to do it yourself you and like i said yeah. kenya barris is brilliant and i love blackish and even more than blackish, I love Grownish. I see. I haven't started watching Grownish I'm yet. A girl, I am one of the biggest Grownish fans on the planet. So again, I am not. The, and you know, but I when I said, "Oh, this is Rainbow's backstory," but I watched it and I thought, "Okay, yeah," like for all the reasons. But yeah, let's move yeah. on to our favorites. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy with um with both my. So my favorite and my honorable mention are two things that are really both on brand for me like these are the things i'm really into but one is far better than the other but if this if the if my favorite didn't exist the other one would be my next favorite like they're, okay well they're let's just, let's start with favorites let's let's do that so they get their uh, own shine so they get, they their, get their own, own shine. shine so in my case my favorite is into the spider-verse which is the animated movie version of miles morales, miles morales. spider-man story Miles Morales as a character is is black and Puerto Rican. Yep. Uh, he speaks Spanish with his mother and he speaks Spanglish out on the streets of New York. Uh, he is a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for Brooklyn and he is a very smart kid who is going to a charter magnet school, you know, for for because he's as smart as he is. But he is a scholarship student and he has to maneuver life going back home on the weekends to his, you know, family in Brooklyn and going to the the school and being in the dorms there. So he has a life that that really rings true to like everything about his his mixedness rings very true. And the way they it they was adapted into the movie, which is the thing that I'm talking about, the movie versus the character himself, is that they didn't throw it in your face constantly. He's mixed. It was just this is a slice of life for a kid who happens to be a Spider-Man and his mother is, you know, Spanish speaking and his father is English speaking. Um, his father is named Jefferson Davis. 
Miles is named originally Miles Davis, but he doesn't like it. So he takes his mother's last name. And so that's why he moves around as Miles Davis. He wanted to be representative. And this is not in the movie. This is just backstory for Miles. Uh, he wanted to be representative of both his mother and his father. And he has some beef with his dad to a certain extent because his dad wants him to be black excellence. And black excellence means something different to Jefferson than it does to Miles. And so he goes by Miles Miles Morales. But the movie itself is, first of all, as a Spider-Man movie, perfect. There's no complaints. 10 out of 10 would recommend. But as a story about a mixed kid who just so happens to get these immense powers and has to process being a regular ass kid with these powers and then also maneuver multiple cultures, the the hip hop culture and Puerto Rican culture that he comes from. It's done so well. It's so subtle and nothing jumps out and bites you except for as a mixed person, when he goes, he's walking down the street. There's a scene where he's walking down the street in Brooklyn, going to school. And within, and it's very New York moment too. Within two seconds, he goes from Spanglish to one person to English to another back into Spanish. And he's just moving, greeting people as he's going down the street. There is nothing more mixed than code switching on a dime. The way that he was doing. And I fucking love this movie. Like I love this movie as it is a great movie. I also love it as it is a really great representation of comic book um, adaptation and as a story about a mixed kid. All three of these things, they do very, very well. And I'm so like, even if you're not into comic book or story or, you know, superhero stories, you need to just see into the Spider-Verse. It's done so well. It's so good. All right. On my list. I mean, I've read about him and I might have seen it. I can't, I've seen some one of the movies with him, so may, it might have been this one. I can't remember. It's the but, only animated one that's that's like been out in the last couple of years. It's really, really, it's amazing though. Well, I love that. I love the, I love the character. I've loved the character from the beginning, like so many of us, and not just not just multiracial, but multicultural and the mm-hmm. linguistics and and insisting on repping. For his ancestors, yeah. as I like to call it, and his parents. Um, so that sounds yeah. It's so I'm relatable because, like, I did that too. I I didn't have I didn't I was one of the few mixed Japanese kids who didn't have at least a, a Japanese middle name, like a lot mm-hmm. of my friends did. And so, like, I would sit there and play with Japanese names or trying to find a way to be black and Japanese and as much as possible and stuff like that. So to make a decision, like, I'm gonna go by my mom's last name. I'm still going to be, I'm, I'm, I present black. So you're never going to not see the black, but this way I get to represent as Afro Latino and, you know, I get to be yes. all these things. Yes. I love this yes. as a, for a character, but in terms of, you know, comic book geekery, it's my favorite. Sounds amazing. And so good for the young mixed people out there today. Yes, and I know absolutely. they, I know he's popular on that front. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. It's really great. It. What's yours? So mine is Charlie Bordelon West in Queen Sugar. I am a huge fan, Oprah Winfrey's own network, in a series created by the amazing Ava DuVernay in conjunction with Oprah Winfrey. And fun backstory is somewhere in the first couple seasons, I was one of 
a dozen people handpicked by Oprah for marketing purposes to become an official Queen Sugar super fan. Nice. Um, they shot videos of us um, in Atlanta where I live. They flew the other people in who weren't from Atlanta. I think several of us are from Atlanta. They have black people, white people, men, women. And I think I represent in different ages and I represented the boomer and the, the mixed person because they, of course, did extensive pre-interviews with you as well as background checks oh, okay. ahead, of time, ahead of time so i was on some of the some of the um video promos promoting the it was they did a split season so we were in the split and when they, the season was coming back for part two they you know anyway but what was interesting was in my initial interview i was just you know answering some questions on camera all made up cute and they were asking me about something I can't remember. And then I just said, and I really, really love that Charlie, the way Charlie is written and the way she's portrayed by actress Don Lee and Gardner as a biracial character. They, they killed the lights. They killed the mic. They killed the camera because it had not been revealed on the show right. that Charlie was biracial yet. That was a big it, next season surprise plot. I remember the moment too because I went right, Mama. Like, okay. you know, like so, just like, so, so that, they literally they cut my interview, and I went, you know, I, again, like you, I have a film background. I'm like, I'm looking around, like, okay, you asked me to oh, it, it happened in the interview. They, they they looked at each other. The the camera, the cinematographer, and the you know director. We're in a venue in Atlanta. We're not in a studio. We're not at Tyler Perry's or anywhere else. We're just in a beautiful venue that was all set up and everything. And they cut my interview. Now, again, I'm a media person. I'm like, and they start whispering frantically to each other. And I just started laughing. I said, oh, I said, we. it's obvious that she's mixed, though. And then I think they just went past. They didn't even respond to me. And then they picked back up and started asking me more questions. That's then, so of course, funny. here comes the plot twist. But so here's why. Charles what did you Moore, say? Was it something like when it finally gets revealed that she has a I white mom? When it finally gets revealed, I wasn't thinking about a reveal. And I'm a writer. I just I read what I liked about her. I see both the way the character is written and the way the phenomenal actress Don Leon played her played because she's no longer on the series. We don't know why, but I don't want to get into that because that's not the point. Is that? She was clearly, it's like you said about Miles Morales. She was clearly biracial without it being a thing. It didn't have to be screened. But as a mixed person watching, and she's, so I'll give you the backstory for the people who haven't read, who don't know Queen Sugar. It is based on a book. In the book, I don't know that she's biracial at all. I read it, but I don't remember. I being don't biracial. think she is in the book. I remember, I, she is I feel like that's part of something that I read. But the, the series, of course, is wrapping up in its final seventh season, goes way beyond the book as series and movies based on books always do. But anyway, so Charlie Bordelon West, um, the actress is Blasian. I met and hung out with her mom when I went to a super fan event in LA, have a picture with her. Um, very charming woman. Anyway, um, and I kind of read her visually as Blasian, but she isn't the type of Blasian you look at and go, okay, Blasian. Yeah, she doesn't stand out even to she doesn't, me. It's not, yeah, it doesn't hit you. It doesn't hit you. It was one of those things that to look it up, I was like, oh, you know, it was that. Yeah, me. you could certain angles. And then sometimes when they, the way they would have her wear her hair on the show, when they, because they would change hairstyles, and you'd be like, oh, God, you look a real Asian there, girl. But anyway, the reason Charlie Bordelon West's character on the own TV series created by Ava DuVernay and Oprah Winfrey 
is so radical revolutionary representative and reflective to me is that she was mixed again without it being a thing but it was very and i don't know who was in the writer's room but it was it rang very authentic it felt authentic so the way that she comes into the story is in the beginning of the story so glenn thurman is the father his his black uh wife has died long ago and he has two children both deeply melanated gorgeous people ralph angel and nova Nova. who grew up together as his children on their farm in louisiana rural louisiana saint joseph louisiana okay so at the beginning of the series um the glenn thurman character uh the father ernest bordelone is in has a stroke is in the hospital Charlie is the light-skinned weave-wearing about, has been invited to be on a Bravo Housewives-type show or Basketball Wives show. Basketball wives. In LA, she's married to the Davis West, who's the captain of the, the NBA team in LA. And there's a whole moment where she finds out he's been in a scandal. She runs onto the court. I mean, that's how the series starts. So it's very yeah, dramatic. It's very dramatic, yeah, opening. And But you, right away, you're like, who is this actress? Because my socks have been knocked all the way out my house yeah. in these three minutes, right? But anyway, so it's just superbly, superbly done. Superb series. But anyway, so, and then she, she but she's the outside child. She is Ernest's outside child. Um, he was never married to her mother. He spent some time. I don't, I'm not remembering the details exactly y'all. So don't get mad at me, but he, I think in the story spent some time in California and Sharon Lawrence, a longtime favorite white actress, you know, plays her mother again, flawlessly. I got to meet her too. Um, flawlessly. And it was a big reveal when the season came back. You know, she was going to meet her mother, and you walk. She walks in this in this restaurant, past all these women of color, and then this white woman stands up, and you, you, you know. And so Ernest had had a relationship, and I can't remember the mother's name in the show. Forgive me. With the mom, Sharon Lawrence, and you know, here here comes Charlie. So and Charlie would spend summers in Saint Josephine with her quote unquote stepbrother and sister, but she's also light light-skinned in louisiana which is a whole thing because of the colorism right yeah the colorism that like all of the south is is baked deeply into everything mm-hmm. um and they and they address it but they address it in real life ways that are powerful authentic but not hitting you over the head subtle just like you're talking about with miles and his code switching and those that's what makes it good that's what makes it representative they were never trumpeting the fact that she's mixed. She just was mixed. Yeah. And there would be little moments. She was never not black identified, but there would be moments where you could see. And again, I credit the writers and the actress. Yeah. And the directors. Right. But um, it just for the first time in my life, and y'all know I am OLD up in here. Like for the first time in my life, I'm seeing a mixed character on a screen portrayed by a mixed actress. And it's resonating. I think the word resonating is so important. Like Miles resonated for you. Yeah. And quite frankly, he would resonate for me as well. Um, but Charlie really resonated because again, they dealt with the colorism, the sibling rivalry, mm-hmm. the little tensions without in, in the ways that it really does show up in the real world. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there's moments where it's like it's not like there's necessary animosity that you have like monoracial siblings and no, a mixed no, sibling. No, no, not at it's, all. It's not even necessarily like that, but it's it is kind of like the I know that there were moments you were kind of treated better. So you have layers happening. You have the possibly kind of treated better because you're kind of because you're white mixed with white, but also treated better because you weren't you were somebody else's kid, not my mama's kid. You know, like yes. there's different, there were so you're not many. From here. You didn't grow up in the room. And you're South not from here. here. Clearly an upper class. Yeah. She's very upper class, went to Harvard. Yeah. She's and a so there's a subtle moment, especially between her and Nova, where it's yes. just like the, the push pull of like, but it was you know, I'm a proper lady type thing. Yeah, like they really did it really well. Authentic. It was so exquisitely done. It there should be, I said this at the time and throughout the series, there should literally be you and I may, we might have to create a special award, girl. For mixed representation and stuff. Yeah. I mean, what? It's not unheard of. No. Because I was just so excited. And of course, a lot of my friends are like, why are you so geeked? I mean, yeah, we like Charlie. I said, No, you don't get it. Like, this is the closest in all my years, you know, in my 60s, that I felt at all represented. Yeah. Not in any of the technical ways, but that I felt at all represented in any screen portrayal in my whole life. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that show's really, really good. And I'm behind, I think, a season or so. But um, But, yeah, like, I think even the dynamics of being, like, a Californian versus a Southern, like when you come got, to visit your Southern kids perfect. Yeah, there's so many things. Even, yeah. even to a certain extent, the whole thing about her child being, you know, he's essentially a quarter white, but besides yeah. having a white grandmother and going to a predominantly white school, you know, he's still not see. even though they do cast a very light-skinned actor for that role, he's not yes. out there being like, I'm a white, you know, like, oh, but no. there's that thing of just like, am I, he has a little, am I black enough moment kind of, well, that isn't spoken out loud you know, too and much, in the early parts of the seasons, he was really drawn to Nova, who's a very outspoken blackity black activist, yeah. even though she's dating a white cop. But um which again another layer right. of the complication between that's, like those complexities, right? So that's, many things. Yes, it's like right. eating a really well seasoned soul food feast at somebody's house. Yeah, they did really well. And they got it all right, all so the nuances right. But yes, so you notice that Micah had that and which teens do anyway. They are they're yeah. gonna move away from their parents to another trusted adult. And so he's got blackity black Nova, who's his auntie, giving him this really kind of helping him find and I like this too. Um, helping him tie his black identity to pro-black activism. Yes, yeah. Which is another part of the mixed kid thing. You know, even if you're second generation or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, 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 re I related very heavily to, to Nova and, and to Micah in some mm -hmm. aspects. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's just like, you know, not over not overcompensation necessarily, but no, like. No, not at all. It's very like, authentic. Seeking, seeking blackness in a way of just like there's an absence of it a little bit for yes. me, so I need to go find it. Um, yeah, they really do really great thing, and it's a very southern story, even if not yes. specifically designed to be a mixed story. But so many of our families are this way, you know. Everybody, you know, like one thing when I was inter introducing myself to my extended family that lives out here in Texas when I was moving out here, I was letting them all know, like. 
you know, here's who my dad is. My mom's Japanese. Here's who my granddad is. He married the British lady. Like everybody knew who he was and stuff like that. So I gave the whole thing and I was like, so, you know, I'm, a, I'm your mixed cousin or whatever. And I, and most of the response I got from that extended family was like, there's so many of y'all mixed ones up down here. Like, don't like, yes. don't, it was basically like, don't trip. Every generation, every iteration of the family has one of you. So just, you know, yes. just be, you know, um, they do. Yeah, it's it, that's that's a good one. I I didn't have that in my head when I was thinking it. And I guess it's very telling that both of my ends end up being very comic book oriented. But um, well, you're supposed to are, be comic book oriented, Charmaine. But, but, you know, like I just didn't even think about that one. And like yeah. even as you said her name, I was like, why is that name so familiar? And then, you know. So that's, yes. yeah, that, that's a good one. I, I really like that one. That was good representation. Oh, and last part, they had a scene. They had a really pivotal scene between uh, her and her mother, played by Sharon Lawrence. And again, I, y'all, I was ready to bestow an EGOT on this scene. <laughs> I was like, it was so pitch perfect between the biracial black identified girl and her mother. And I don't even remember what they talked about, but it was about identity and growing up and being a white mom, you know, and letting you be who you were. But it, the way it was done, y'all, the way it was written and acted and directed was I, literally, I have never, and I've been like you, I've been a, 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 you know, a screen addict my whole life. I also grew up with, you know, especially movies and TV all the time. The first time in my whole life, I've seen a scene, one scene that I went, oh, and they got it right. Mm, nice. They nailed it. I think I did do a, a few tweets and, and tagged the actresses and, and Ava and the writer's room. And I think Ava liked that one or retweeted it or something. I was like, y'all don't even know how rare this is. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, it's, it's amazing. Um, the, that they got it and you know that's one of those cases were there enough of us in the room or was or you know or was what <laughs> what happened because right capture that and tell everybody else that are making things you know like if there's not a mixed person in the room even better because it means that that you know people who aren't mixed can get it right which i believe yeah. they absolutely can they, they must have or at least a southerner you know southerners that okay. like but, that but, had, yeah, but the california thing they also got the cali thing completely that's, on point. that's true yeah no they so, did they did a great job i think yeah i mean and she's well off and they're struggling to just exist i mean so you had the class thing the color yeah. thing the rate and she was and in black southern culture this is a big thing the outside child Outside child, yeah. I don't know that he was with her mom when his wife was alive. I think they addressed that. I don't think he was like stepping out on the black mom to be with the white woman. I don't remember, or if it was like right after she died. I Whatever think, it was, there's tension yeah. about it with Nova. There's definitely like yeah. an, an, an animosity. There, there's the tension, tension. Yeah, but yeah. again, authentic, relatable, realistic, yes. and beautifully rendered. Yeah, no, it is. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I would think. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's uh, let's get to our honorable mentions. And I, I want to say that in terms of honorable mentions, it's not that they weren't enough to be counted necessarily as a favorite, but it was just hard to com it's hard to compare them. I guess it wasn't. Yeah. The, it's not the perfect representation, but it's decent, uh, or at least in my case of, of the choice that I have. Um, also, I kind of needed one from each side 
of my <laughs> of my situation, which is accidental. Okay. And and neither of them are perfect. So in the case of Miles Morales, he's black and Puerto Rican, which is not what my mix is, but relatable to me because I'm a I'm a product of 1990s and 1980s hip hop culture. Um, East East Coast hip hop was the beginning of things. And even though I'm a West Coaster, like I can relate to a lot of the things and the ways in which um, Miles accesses black culture. And then on top of it, he's a New Yorker, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, so not entirely a, mix, a, a match of my mix, but clo- but close enough. And then my other, my next one, the honorable mention is uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was a TV show that ran for, um, I think, about seven seasons uh, that was produced by Joss Whedon after he did Avengers, the first Avengers movie. And it's basically the um, the organization that is sort of like a, black ops government organization that deals with superheroes and, and all that other kind of super villains and stuff like that. The main character on that show was played by Coley Bennett, who is half Chinese, half uh, white American, who actually has um, her off story, her backstory, her personal story is that um, she does have a Chinese last name, but she wasn't getting any roles. And so she was encouraged to select a more white, sounding name so that she could start getting booked because she mm-hmm. is ambiguous enough in her presentation that she looks like an exotic white mm-hmm. whereas someone like me would look at her and see a mixed white asian but like a white person might see her as just an exotic white like a really pretty like why do you look like that you're so exotic looking you know like that kind of stuff would yes. definitely happen to someone like chloe and she plays a character called uh daisy johnson or when we meet her her, her name is sky because she's adopted she didn't know where she comes from she eventually finds out where she comes from her name is Daisy Johnson, and she is an inhuman, which is a person that once exposed to this particular kind of airborne um, pathogen turns into mm. or, or gets a superhero power. And in her case, she gets the ability to shake the earth. So they call her mm-hmm. Quake. So okay. she can pretty much just like move things through vibration and air. Um, and so that's why she gets called Quake. Uh, as her story develops, you find out that her mother was um, a part of this very enclosed Chinese culture in the mountains that that were somewhat mystical in some way, shape or form. And her father, uh, and this is because they casted Chloe, they ended up doing this. This is not the backstory of the comic book character. But her father was a white doctor who was one of those exploratory white guys that go out into an exotic world and starts to look into things. And in so doing, falls in love with a Chinese lady. They end up having a baby. Um, all kinds of mystical shit happen. And boom, that's why the baby gets separated from the parents. And so they casted Kyle McLaughlin to play her father, who in comic books is a character called Mr. Hyde, which is someone who is, you know, just like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, upstanding mm-hmm. general doctor during the day. And then some shit goes down and all of a sudden he turns into like a vicious killer. <laughs> um, and that is his thing. And then his mother, her mother uh, was Jiang. Uh, played by an actress called uh, Daishin Lachman. And she plays a character who like inherently has um, superpowers, but has to be exposed to this pathogen, which is what they do. They basically raise all these people, expose them to them, to the pathogen. If you die, oops, you aren't special. And if you don't die, you have a power of some sort. Gotcha. That's what happens to this particular type of thing. And so in Agents of, of S.H.I.E.L.D., what they do is, you know, you meet Sky, you don't know her origin. So you're not dealing with her as a racial entity in any way, shape or form necessarily, in, unless you're identifying that she is a mixed white Asian in presentation. And so you go through her story she's just existing and then we get to finding where she comes from 
And then you're like, oh, shit, she's got a Chinese mom. Oh, shit, she's got a white dad. And they did that because of the actress. And the actress plays the character so well. Beautiful. They just casted parents that matched her origin. And they rewrote her story in a way that... Um, that makes sense within both the comic book character, even though it's separate from a little bit separate from her origin and uh, for the actress that they cast. And I thought they did a really good job because in this case, a different kind of layer is that you have a, a girl who grew up in foster care and adopt and, and, and orphanages and things like that. And so never really getting to attach to who she is. And then once she finds out who she is, there's all this inherent stuff. She wasn't anticipating finding out about herself. So in ways that we might say, because we're out in the real world, we might say, Oh, that was very Japanese of me, even, you know, or something like that. <laughs> she didn't have this knowledge. She was just doing these things and they were starting to surface after she started to find out who she was, which I thought was a very, like that seemed very natural to me because there's things like I did grow up with my British grandmother and there's certain little British things that I do that I'm not always aware of as a British in idiosyncrasy until I'm around a Brit that identifies it mm -hmm. or an American who watches a whole lot of British stuff. And they say, are you Brit? Or did you, did you grow up in England? <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'll realize that whatever I did was this thing that I didn't, it's just so unconscious that I didn't know. And What's they do that. DNA? Yeah. And so I think there's things that I think what they did with her character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was very clean and, and, and probably accidental in that they just let her be who she was. And as her backstory started to become more apparent, they based it in the reality of the actress herself. Mm -hmm. And and from there developed a pretty, you know, Again, race didn't come up often, except for the fact that you just happen to be in China right now when when we're dealing with her Chinese mother and the family that she comes from or the white father. You know, like there's things like that, but they weren't throwing it at you again. Just, I think that's that for me, that's a really heavy marker is that I just walk around existing being a mixed person. Mm -hmm. It's usually external to me that my mixedness becomes a thing. You know, yes, yes, and I yes. think that that's what was happening in, in this option, too, is that um She's just existing. She don't even know where she comes from. And then as she finds out where she comes from, little things start to become more apparent that there's things she was inherently doing um, that was a very much a reflection of the people that she comes from. And so that's why I consider my honorable, honorable mention because it was just- I love it. Delicate and subtle. Love it. Love it. So again, love also it. not a perfect representation of me because she's Chinese, not Japanese, but I, got, I had one black- <laughs> mixed and one Asian mixed and it works. <laughs> I think that re so there's, re there's representation and relatability. relatability yeah. And it doesn't have to be, but so now my honorable mention are two people and we're going back to Kenya Barrisville. Okay. We're going back to Kenya. We need to tweet this episode to him. Um, we're going back to Kenya Barrisville, ironically, because my honorable mention, and I got really excited, and this is me, okay, this is on the bluish tip. Okay. So back to Rainbow, who's presented as just, you know, black, white, whatever. Um, all of a sudden they announced, and this is not, this isn't addressed or represented or meant to even be part of the actual real story. But then they announced that her siblings are going to visit. And I, of course, being bluish and obsessed with all such things and all such celebrities, notice that it is David Diggs and Rashida Jones who are Tracy Ellis Ross's siblings. Oh, and, and I'm like, yo, 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 wait up. 
hashtag bluish. I'm like, yo, 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 you got three actors who are all very publicly, very vocally, very loudly and proudly bluish. Yes. Black and Jewish, black and Jewish, right? Um, playing siblings, it the three of them work fabulous yeah their chemistry as siblings their chemistry as siblings as adults and on mixed dish Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna give mixed dish that and we talked about that a little bit earlier anyway yeah okay the little boy who plays the david uh, david diggs character perfect like he yeah really really well done cases in both cases both the adults and the children santa monica and johan right mm-hmm. are my honorable mentions as favorites because selfishly again i have never seen a black jewish those character are good yeah anywhere in my whole life even though the characters weren't black and jewish you could not tell me that this constellation of again three major a-list celebrities all of whom the entire world knows are black and jewish mm-hmm. and know their backstories and all about mm-hmm. that right like that's that's what they kind of, they don't, they don't necessarily lead with it. But anytime you talk about celebs who are black and Jewish, those three are at the top of everybody's list along with yeah. Drake, along with Drake. So, um, that he is means, not my honorable mention. <laughs> I like Drake, but I'm not talking about his acting. Okay. I just like, I just like Drake's presence and what he brings to the game because it makes it easier because I had to just grow up with Sammy Davis Jr. As anybody's, everybody's only reference. And I was like, yeah, black not really. people, yeah. So it was, yeah, I'm just happy. But back to, so Santa Monica and Johan in both shows, Bacchus and Mixedish, but especially the adult versions played by Debbie Diggs, Rashida Jones. Like I said, I was just like, it, it had nothing to do with the show, the characters, the writers, nothing. I, Teresa, was just having a little mini orgasmic moment of representation. Yeah. Because even though it wasn't actually happening on the screen, the possibility of it, was happening in my head and my heart. Also, and- you can't just separate moments of like, these are actual black Jewish mixed people who lived in their real world, a black Jewish yeah. identity and life. Yeah. And so there's just things that are subtly going to be present. And they're cast. And not only are they cast as siblings, but not only phenotypically, but just they're the, they, it was the perfect casting. Yeah. They, like they the could minute be- you saw it, you were like, oh, they could t- forget everybody else and all the other storylines and all the other aspects of the show. They yeah. could really do something as siblings. They could, yeah. And it would yeah. work. Yeah. So those are my honorable mentions. Those are, are good, yeah. Santa Monica and Johan on Blackish, especially because of the actors being actually bluish. And again, mm-hmm. they weren't bluish characters. There was nothing in the show. This is all yeah, me, there's no projecting, me projecting and celebrating it because it made me really happy because I've never seen it in my whole life yeah and there's moments like that that just make you squeal like uh, again even in my case like even though i haven't found the black japanese british american mixed (laughs) representation on tv you know you're gonna have to write it bad i'm gonna have to write it myself Um, getting those nuggets you know like every now and then you get a nugget and it just like it's really fulfilling and and it it just makes you feel like not the most unusual thing on the planet which is the mixed kids plight right there's so many yes. times we feel like we're the only one and in that case you get three for the price of one and you weren't even expecting it you know I like it's just there it. and then yeah. it worked like us watching their chemistry yeah. and the other thing was you can tell they're all friends in real life mm-hmm. and this is one of those cases where that carried over 
Mm-hmm. So you could just tell that all three of them were just having entirely too much fun. Like special bluish meetings of uh, <laughs> Secret Society of Blue yeah. Kids that just hang out. But also, also just, they're all phenomenal talents. Yeah. And you could just tell, again, I mean, we know that Rashida and Tracy grew up together. It's so yeah. crazy because all of them are musical in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Like all of them have. Yes. Yeah. They could be. Yes. They could two be of like them a, are the children of superstars. Mm-hmm iconic legendary right you know one name superstars it's pretty yeah that's yeah rashida's both has two both parents so um but yeah so those are my honorable mentions for the reasons i listed um but you know i think this is so much fun i'm glad we did this thank you for the idea um but there's you know there's representation reflection relatability and all those things Mm -hmm. and it re- this conversation reminds me, I'm not going to put it on you, but I am with, with a little nudge to you, darling. We got to get to writing. I know. I'm so behind on all the things I need to create. Well, no, you don't need to do it right now. But I am actually doing it right now. I'm writing novels and things, and hopefully something will make it to the screen as well. And working on a play. So we'll talk about those things down the road, y'all. I don't like to talk about them while they're in process because I don't like to jinx the muse. Yeah. But... Um, but I think that for all of you out there, get to writing what you want to see. Get to writing what represents you or creating or shooting or editing or whatever creating it means in today's world. You can have, you know, nowadays you can shoot a feature film on your phone. So, and yeah. edit it. So, hey, and put in your special effects. So, or make some TikToks or whatever and, you know, tag us so we can see them. But each of us, and I believe this for everybody who's, again, not in the mainstream and, and is, quote, unquote, chronically underrepresented. But each of us has that responsibility mm-hmm. because but also think about the mixed folks who were younger than us and younger than you, all listeners. What an impact something you create might have on their lives that you can't even imagine. Yeah. Just a character, a storyline, some kind of representation, and all of a sudden they feel seen, seen. And it, in their it, wholeness. It makes such a difference, and and we can talk about that from all different types of angles. Like I can say that I created militantly mixed because I was seeking militantly yes. mixed, and I couldn't find it, so I made right. it. Right, and then all the way down to watching the videos of the little black girls that are watching the oh. trailer of Little Mermaid for the first time. You know, like at every level. Um, we saw it with Black Panther when it came yes. out. We, you know, um, Shang-Chi, although probably not publicized in the way Black Panther was, that was also happening to Asian American kids because what Asian American kids only experience is Asian speakers with Asian or Asian heroes with Asian accents. Right. Whereas Shang-Chi was the first time there was an Asian American non-accented Asian superhero for them to feel representat- uh, representation from. And even me, again, Chinese, not Japanese, but I was looking up at the screen going, finally, that is more reflective of yes. my experience as a mixed Asian um, American is that I don't have an accent and yet I am an Asian, you know, like yes. that kind of stuff is really important. Um, so create the thing you're missing. I mean, it would be nice if it was just packaged and right there in front of you and you just got to sit there and not have to do work and it's just you're just represented. I imagine that's what white people feel like all the time. All the time. Um, or any monoracial group that where, you know, predominantly the media that they're experiencing is a reflection of their culture. But, you know, the the need for just moments of seeing yourself, it 
makes such a big difference and the amount of tears I have shed for non-emotional things just because of representation. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it, it happens. It's an overwhelming feeling because it's something that is so rare. So the more of us that are out there creating, uh, the more chances will be reflected in some way, shape or form. And, and like, I'm not doing anything necessarily that creative. I'm having conversations with other mixed people that have happening to represent the people who are listening. You're doing but something I'm, incredibly creative. I'm not saying that it's not, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not creating like a, a fictional movie or anything like that. I'm just having these conversations and people are feeling represented that's a very low entry point like i don't have to do a whole lot of work to to make that available right whereas um but there are millions of ways and one of the ways that you're doing it is super still super yeah i'm not putting right. down what i do yeah. i'm saying that I'm not, it's just one in a step of different ways five million dollars to put it on screen yeah, like there's just, it's just one in a, in, a, in a series of different ways that you can do this. So you enter at whatever point you can and then go yes. from there. And in, in cases of either making comic books or making movies or making little short films or tickety tucks, um, you know, yes. like all different types of things that you can do. Your art, your art can just be very reflective of, of your own mixed identity and stuff like that. And and someone will feel it. You know, that's, that's the yes. important thing. Um, but this was fun because... I know sometimes we get into some really heavy topics and stuff like that. And, and yeah. lately, you know, especially with us, um, the, the way the new generation is, is dealing with um, access to mixes and them being mixed and stuff like that. Uh, being very stressful to me, <laughs> starting to realize how much of a elder I've become becoming, I'm growing into my elder time yes. period. Um, it, you know, it's nice to just sit there and be like, you know, this is some, just some moment of subtle representation that feels really good. Um, so, yeah. It's awesome. And this is beautiful. And so family, listen, hit us up in the comments or, you know, email or whatever, hit us up with your, your three, the worst, the worst, the best, and your honorable the best and your honorable mention. Yeah. Yes. Let us know in the comments on the Instagram, on the tickety to or wherever, yes. wherever, just send us messages and let us know what you think. You can always follow Militantly Mixed at Militantly Mixed on all social media platforms. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tickety Talk. Uh, and you can send in emails to Charmaine at militantlymixed.com. That's S is in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary. A N as a Nancy E at militantlymix.com. And how did they reach uh, Auntie Teresa and the Mix Auntie Confidential? So, Auntie Teresa, you can also reach me. Is mine Teresa at Militantly, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Teresa, T A R E S S A at militantlymix.com. <laughs> Mixed Auntie Confidential is my blog. Just, you know, hit the Google and it'll come up. Right. I'm having my website redesigned. So we'll talk about that when it's ready. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so Mixed Auntie Confidential is is where I blog. Also share these podcasts after, when they go up and and talk about all kinds of things mixed. And but yes, just think about ways you can create things that represent you, your truth, your life. Right. Um, your mixedness, your journey. And the more, to me, the more authentic and the more grounded it is in your specificity, the more relatable universally it actually becomes ironically, yeah. Yeah. right? The more, the more specific something is, the more relatable it can be and the more powerful it can be. Mm -hmm. So yes, go on out there and put 
all aspects of your mixed ass selfness into the world. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, and at the time this airs, I have a couple more days left until I release the Be Your Mixed Ass Self annual 2022 fundraiser t-shirt. I haven't told anybody except for Teresa and a couple of personal friends what it looks like yet, uh, but it's going to be fun and I hope you all yes. enjoy it and it'll help keep the show going and growing if you purchase that or drop some coins in the tip jar <laughs> on PayPal. <laughs> and so yes. Too. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And don't forget to be a mixed self. Smooches. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.